Yes, 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 we are back once again. It is I, your favorite non-binary dog person, Ultra, joined today by my best friend, partner in crime, all-around great human being, and somebody who is trying real hard not to lose it right now on stream, Darby. Darby, how are you doing today? You know, I am almost warm. The The Texas freeze this round is just about over it is 60 glorious degrees outside uh but i'm still wrapped up in my old lady shawl like a freezing old lady so you say 60 or six, six just for clarification six sixty six, six, 60 60 is cold yeah for, uh, uh, I, 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 do you know what the temperature is here in the glorious city of washington dc it is most certainly not 60 degrees I would kill for 60 degrees. I think I think our guests would kill for 60 degrees. You're out here complaining about 60 degrees. We have to have a serious talk off conversation. Real quick before I forget, I got to work this down the back then. There it is. All right. So we've had Boobazuela and opening sound because we don't know which podcast this is. But uh, it's okay. I'm hyped up on Red Bull. We got a lot to cover. And we are joined today by our guests returning to the podcast, triumphantly wearing a Canada scarf, which we could do without, to be completely frank. And that is a good friend, Conrad. Conrad, how are you doing today? Well, to be honest, I'm a little sad today because uh, we've announced that Giovinco will not be returning to TFC. But all in all, still happy to be atop of the table. And I will continue to remind you of that, Ultra. Listen, you can be top of the table all you want. It's, you know, top of the shit pile is still top of the shit pile. You know, I mean, it's all I'm saying. It's you, you, you are on top of the U.S., Mexico, and then literally a pile of crap. So, like, you know. It, was it, it, it you is. that was talking in our international episode about how CONCACAF is on the up and up? Uh, listen. And then it's gone to a shit pile all of a sudden? Listen. One win against Honduras and you're changing your tune? Listen. Listen. On the up and up can mean a lot of things. You know, you say on the up and up and that could mean spring roses and somebody's spring roses could be somebody else's shit pile. Really, it's all the same thing. So, uh... We have got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk gold cover and talk CONCACAF. We're going to talk a little bit of everything. And I guess the place to start, since we have our guest here, will be Canada. So let's start there. Um, so, yeah, as you said, top of the top of the table, um, you know. Without Alfonso can... Davies, only having Marowitz Tacchio for one game. Oh, yeah, but... and, and, and scoring a FIFA goal against El Salvador. Which can only be described as a FIFA goal. Can oh, only yeah, be described. 100%. Oh, something you would only ever see in a video game, which is just how you know everything is going right in Canada right now. Because when you're scoring goals like that, it's just time to play the lottery. So, for those of you who haven't seen the goal, the goal literally comes in off a cross, off the post, off the head of our of uh, our captor, uh, captain. I can't speak today. Uh, Ultra literally woke me up today. um, But off the head of our captain, off the back of Steven Zavaleta, and then off the back of Atiba Hutchinson into the goal. If you haven't seen it, go find it on 
whatever site you choose to look it up on. But yeah, it uh, definitely was one of the flukiest goals I think you'll ever see in international soccer. Uh, then it was followed up by a, I'm not going to call it a worldie, but another chip from Jonathan David over a keeper. Very similar to the one he had in our first match of the window. But another Dosa Cero, as you guys in the States like to call it. And let's be honest, it really is big for Canada because according to the most recent math that I've seen, Canada can't fall below fourth in CONCACAF. So at the very worst, we're in the play-in. So for us in Canada soccer, that's huge. But with the success that the Mexicans and you guys down in the States have been having, we can't rest on our lures. We still need to go out there. The mentality that we just need to win. Yeah, yeah. Darby, why don't you jump in here? Yeah, I just, you know, for starters, congratulations. Like, um, the the Switch the Pitch folks have got a, a, a long and happy relationship with a lot of our Canadian correspondents and as much as I try to be patriotic, um, you know, we we down here in the United States are dealing with our own little shit pile of United States. Um, and so, yeah, so Canada has definitely been uh, been on the up and up, to use that term again. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I am actually thrilled for all of my my Canadian friends. I definitely think that that you've come out and dominated and deserve every accolade that you're getting through this, but also still um, you could have done us a little easier, but you know what that's the, the, the joke is constantly about, about Canada being so polite and all of this stuff. And, and you guys have just, just come out to completely destroy that ter- stereotype. And, and I'm here for it. I, so. I think we were polite on the podcast. Come on now. Um, you're of the podcast, but you really dominate on every pitch you show up on. This is this is true. Um, but yeah, it's it's strange because Canada came out of nowhere. Like nobody was really expecting this. Like until we went into the Azteca and pulled out the wit or the draw. Apologies. It we didn't really have faith. We knew that Alfonso Davies was the truth like we knew he was as good as advertised but people like Steven Estacchio coming out of the tier two of Portuguese football to have him come out and now earn a transfer to Porto and to have Richie Larea transfer from TFC to Nottingham Forest like we're seeing an exodus of Canadian players who previously you'd see them playing at the max for TFC Montreal Impact. I'm going to still call them that till the day I die. No snowflakes here. Um, Or or, uh, Vancouver. Like, um, it's it's really been amazing. Like, it's... It's the same thing that happened when you saw the U.S. have their first breakout um, and return to international football. Um, And the fact that we're not just holding our own, we're dominating these matches as you've said is not lost on supporters like i haven't been a longtime soccer supporter but like you're starting to hear canadian fans say i am a canadian supporter until 
uh, Alfonso hit the scene, you never heard anyone say there is a Canada soccer fan. You were a Portuguese fan like I was. You were a Brazilian fan because they won a million championships. Oh, my great-great-great-grandfather was from Germany, so I cheered for the Germans. No, you're hearing people say, I am a Canadian fan, which is incredible. Yeah, and that sounds like, you know, uh, a big moment for Canadian soccer. And I, I truthfully am very happy for you. I mean, it may sound like very passive aggressive, but like, no, I honestly, I'm very happy for Canada. Like I told you, I maintain membership with the Voyagers. Um, so, you know, um, very happy for Canada. I want to shift gears here real quick uh, and jump to the other side of the border and talk about U.S. soccer. And, you know, uh, I'm mad to jump into this conversation as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, We've got an election coming up for president of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Going to be super stoked on that. And the people running are the current president, Cindy Parlocone, I think. Maybe that's right. And more importantly, the person she is running against is the one and only world-renowned. He's back, ladies and gentlemen, Carlos Cadero who has had such hits such as, I really don't think women should be paid equally, and meh, pay to play soccer. So, you know, um, running it back, Darby, uh, what are your thoughts here on Mr. Cadero possibly not just running, but maybe even regaining his seat as president of U.S. Soccer? I mean, I mean oh, I, I, I lack the words to even illustrate how distasteful that is to my general well-being um <laughs> you you don't get to make the poor choices make the bad calls and and generally be just that level of of clown for for <laughs> soccer on a whole uh for for the women's game for the men's game i mean he made a mockery out of U.S. soccer repeatedly and um and yeah for him to duck behind the curtain do the uh I can change dance for a few minutes and then try to come back out um what the fuck uh go back in your hole and don't bother U.S. soccer anymore and and it's going to be terrifying so going to Conrad now yeah so I just have to wonder how much of this is the sponsors looking at the U.S. not winning at the Olympics and the struggles that the U.S. have had in qualifying and not just seeing the big red panic button sitting there and seeing somebody who, as questionable as his decisions were, and I'm not going to defend any of them because they're all wrong, <laughs> um, and the history books will show that, but are they not just saying, we need to be number one? And we aren't that right now. And maybe Carlos can bring us back to that. I don't think he can. I think that's I think that's out of anyone's control. But I think that the U.S. do need to not move backwards to go forwards. So here's what I'll say. You know, the Federation did not do anything spectacular under Carlos Cadero. I mean, the women won a World Cup, sure, but he didn't really have much to do with with that. And, 
you know, yes, they won a gold medal, but he didn't really have much to do with that either. The men's team failed to qualify under Carlos Scudero for the Olympics, and they failed to qualify under uh, Cindy. And if we're going to be honest and we want to talk about sponsors, they care about bottom dollar at the end of the day. And as much as it pains me to say this, because it shouldn't be the case, but the the fact of the matter is um, the men's game brings in the most money for for the sponsors. So if we're talking about the sponsors being alarmed, then I think that they would be looking at this and being like, well, this guy didn't really bring us much. Um, what is interesting to me is is that only two people declared to run, Carlos Cadero and the current president. I don't believe U.S. soccer should be allowing him to run. I think that he should have been banned. I think that this is the equivalent of if Sepp Blatter decided to come back and run for FIFA president. And this is, you if you resign the disgrace, you do not get rewarded with a, hey, you know what? We definitely didn't like that you decided women were less than human, but why don't we give you a second try? And maybe this time you'll figure it out. Maybe just a tiny bit. Like, in my opinion, you don't get to come back from that. You don't get to come back from going up on stage and being like, I will pay women equally. And then two days later being like, ha, just kidding. Gotcha. And you're like in that back, right? Like, you know, you don't get to put that back in a box. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't want to rant too much. All I'll say is that, look, the guy's a total piece of shit. I mean, and I have no problem saying that because, like, his arguments were flawed at best and outright disgusting at worst. And, um, you know, I just think that while I don't love the job that Cindy Cohn has done, I also am terrified of a federation under Carlos Cadero. And I think you're right to be that. Um that's like one good thing about Canada soccer is because it had such a low profile. I don't even know who the head of our federation is. And Love I like that. to keep it that way. <laughs> but uh, me and Darby were talking before the podcast officially got recording about a name that we could potentially see, maybe not this election, but in a future election, being a really good shout and somebody who has name recognition in the States. He currently runs the SD Loyal um, and is a former U.S. men's national team superstar. Landon Donovan. Landon definitely has shown leadership potential, both on the pitch and off, and has certainly shown that he's willing to take a stand against so many of the issues that plague the sport. Um, I think if it, if he wants it, if he wants to take that step, I think it certainly would be his in a heartbeat. Darby, do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. Um, like Like we were saying before, I feel like that Oftentimes, U.S. soccer, uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a player standpoint, uh, centers the wrong kind of people, uh, centers the machismo, uh, centers the stuff that that isn't working. And and the other point that I want to bring up is just how detrimental um, another Cordero's uh, term could be for U.S. soccer, because despite the fact that I feel like that our women's players, like, like the, the, the women's team players and, and some of the women um, that have become kind of spokespeople for our, um, for our Federation on that side, um, they've, they've always been willing to step up and, and speak out and those sorts of things. But I do feel like that sports on a whole has had a big reckoning 
over just the past year with what kind of bullshit we're really willing to put up with. And when we can say that we're ready to walk away, to go home, to shut down, to, to refuse to play, um, in, if in the event that there are things that are happening that, that we find untenable. And, and I do believe that given his complete, I mean, like, like Ultra said, uh, Lisa Cordero also, or Lisa Cordero. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's a totally different monster, right? Uh, no, but um, <laughs> Cindy Parlow Cone, um, despite the fact that she has, has made some strides with the women's team, um, has still hasn't been great. Uh, she's still going to be a better choice for for U.S. soccer if those are the only two choices uh, we have. It's it's a little bit like the 2020 U.S. election for me, um, but um, I'll I'll just say that I I fear for the future of women's soccer in the United States because I think that there are a number of players that will not accept that level of leadership and it could uh, set back a whole lot of um, a whole lot of traction that the women's game has, has made here in the United States lately. So I'm going to build on that for two seconds. Um, I wonder if we do, if he does get elected, which as I'm hearing from you guys, it seems less and less likely, but we've already seen players on the Portland thorns walk out on their team after making Selecting the wrong coaching staff, selecting the wrong player in their expansion drafts. I wonder if you could see a large-scale walkout of women's soccer players if this man does return, if this man, this monster, does return to leading U.S. soccer. So I just wonder what the consequences will be if he is reelected as well. Yeah, I mean, like, the consequences will be startling, and... I say that in the nicest way, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if the star players of the women's team say, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, they may just, they may just be like, you know what? No, we, you can't, like, U.S. soccer, how, how is your board of directors allowing this to happen, right? Like, I, I think, I think, quite frankly, if it happens, that, <laughs> that that'll be the end of the Women's Soccer Federation in America because they will refuse to play for this guy. Um, pivoting now keeping it in the sphere of u.s soccer i want to talk a little bit about gold cup which includes canada too before you go booing everybody i know you haven't ever won the thing or maybe you won it once i don't remember um but uh you know maybe one day if you believe hard enough um so yeah right now the gold cup is scheduled to be taking place every two years now we've talked about this in the past and we've said compared this to a booty call and said the gold cup needs to go and get themselves a nice man and all these wonderful things about the gold cup or woman we don't discriminate and uh you know here we are again staring down the barrel of uh having nations league again every other year every year whatever it is and also having the gold cup every two years I think the Gold Cup just needs to go to every four years. Darby will go to you first. Yeah, I mean, soccer is a global sport. And there's just a shit ton to do, right? Like, 
between between our um you know conference cups and world cup qualifying and you know 2020 and 2021 really put us on a, a pretty breakneck pace for uh both club soccer for uh national soccer and it 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 really was exhausting and it's almost as if the executives that are making all of the money off of this took a look at this breakneck pace and said, well, we could, we could maintain this. We could do this. And, and just is asking entirely too much out of um, soccer players, out of soccer fans, out of soccer federations. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say that every four years would be more than reasonable. Um, there's plenty enough soccer to go around um, and we can't maintain uh, a global game without a, a a global fan base and fan bases. I don't care how rich anybody is. Uh, there, there is a point when you start making determinations that there are other things that aren't soccer to spend your money on. And um, I think that we're tapped out on spending money as soccer fans and yeah, gold, gold cup needs to, needs to sit down and take a breath. Conrad? So Darby's looking at this from the fan perspective. I'll look at this from the team selection perspective. If you look at the Gold Cup, especially the American squad that they sent last year, as well as the Mexican squad, it was the B or C squad that was sent to this Gold Cup just because of how many international competitions there are. Canada was debatably the only team that sent an A-level squad of the big three in CONCACAF. And obviously Qatar sent their A squad, but that's a whole another bag of worms for another day. So if you look at this, it's just fatigue. Like you can't be sending your A team to every competition if it's happening every two years, just with the amount of competition that needs to be played. Obviously with the, the world cup qualifications changing up a little bit, being more based on global rankings, maybe teams will actually have reasoning to send their A teams to stuff like the gold cup, just so that they can increase that FIFA rating. It's, I'm of two minds. Obviously, uh, I'll raise my little banner for our two Gold Cup victories. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I, I agree. Moving it to a four-year competition does add almost a little bit of prestige. Because if you have it every two years, ah, oh, we lost. In two years, we'll have another competition. If it's every four years, it almost becomes like an Olympics. It almost has that air that it's a rarity. So winning it might mean a little bit more to the players and to the to the nations as well. Well, you know, people give a shit about the Euros. People give a shit about Copa America. When's the last time you heard somebody say, oh, you know what I'm real excited for? Gonna sit myself down with my friends, grab a couple of beers and watch the freaking Gold Cup. People look at you like you have three freaking heads. Like, I mean, you know, like let's... 2021 might have been the only time that happened. I don't even know if it happened else then. to do in the pandemic. We had nothing yeah, else to do, so yeah. we watched it. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe that's a stretch, but maybe. But even in Canada, I'm sure I am almost positive had Canada won this Gold Cup, they would have been like, okay, whatever. We won a Gold Cup. Whoop-de-doo. Let's focus on World Cup qualifying. That's more important. Like, as I said, we recognize the fact that we were the only team that sent our A squad. Yeah. Like, we realized that. So it, it, I, I agree. It would have dampened it but if you're doing it every four years and there's some real meaning to it as well as you combine the pot potentially to actually have a reason for these federations to compete yes 
I mean, all all of this is good. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Um, you know, there's really not much to say on Gold Cup other than CONCACAF and, you know, company fix your shit. We would love for the Gold Cup to not be the laughing stock of, of the world. So if and we as could much get as I appreciate together, our Central American nations, yeah. I think it needs to be hosted in the States. You guys have the best venues, and it's easy for a lot of us to travel to the States. It is. Like, if you look at the 2019 competition, which was hosted as well in Costa Rica and Jamaica, the numbers were hugely down for viewership. And, like, as much as I enjoyed watching us play in Costa Rica in our window, the turf and grass and the stadium isn't to an international standard sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this much, you know, um... You come to the States and we're going to give you that very well-known United States hospitality that we're known for, you know, welcoming you in open arms, flipping you the bird when our team loses, throwing beer bottles at your head, you know, that typical American hospitality. Darby, what are your thoughts here? Closing thoughts on Gold Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think that you're correct that, that there are some countries that maybe aren't the best hosts. I don't necessarily know if I agree that the United States is the best host um, for, for aforementioned reasons. Um, but, but ultimately sure. Like we, we do have nice stadiums. We do have um, kind of the setup and the infrastructure for it, but I do think that there are some other countries that, that could play host reasonably well, um, especially like let's, let's look at this gold cup. Um, let's look at this CONCACAF is, if you really want to make the gold cup a, a standard for um, these sorts of competitions, put a little bit more money into your infrastructure, spend a little bit more of your money um, in getting more places um, up to, up to snuff for, for international play. Um, I definitely think that that is something that is, um, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to reap all the benefit. They're not wanting to put in the, um, put in the money to, to create an infrastructure that's going to sustain it. So absolutely. Let's, let's think before we act CONCACAF regarding gold cup for sure. And that is a good segue. (laughs) Yeah. Never going to happen. That is a good segue into our next topic, which is CONCACAF. Who are they? Why do they exist? Why are they here? Find out tonight on the Switch the Pitch podcast. So, yeah, CONCACAF, the bane, the bane of our existence, uh, apparently, for all of us. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that CONCACAF genuinely sucks. Like, I mean, across the board. The teams are okay, but the actual leadership of CONCACAF is right in the shitter. Um, so, I guess my question to you first, Conrad, we'll go to you first. Is how do we fix it? Um, can we start with withholding our own rules and regulations for both on the pitch and off the pitch? No, I mentioned this in our little bit of chat. Like the U.S. or the Mexican team is starting to finally punish a certain phrase that we had a long debate about. Concacaf was supposed to do something about it. Mm-hmm. They two match penalty. Uh, the U.S. the women's team can serve it. Oh, we'll just drop it down to one game. Let's start following our rules, because once again in El Salvador, 
We saw balloons containing a certain fluid being thrown at Canadians taking corners. Like, we need to start fining these organizations, the host nations. Because, like, when our team, once again, also had the street party at 4 a.m. waking them up the day of the match. (laughs) Like, this is why CONCACAF isn't taken seriously. Like, if you look in Europe, match day, yeah, it's chaos. But you aren't seeing urine balloons thrown from Scottish supporters. You aren't seeing (laughs) that in other, well, I can't talk for South America because South America has its own issues. Yeah, some of this. But like, if we wanted these athletes to be viewed as the top of the sport, we can't allow that to happen as fan behavior. And then we get into the refereeing. Me and Ultra had a long conversation in the Canada-US match in our text conversation about how it looked more like an American football match than a soccer match in the box. It did. And that's that's what CONCACAF is. CONCACAF is, that is the stereotype, that it is the roughest national assembly in soccer. Yes. And it, if there's a rule book given out by FIFA... Should it not be called to the rules? I have the issue with hockey in this. I have an issue in the Canadian Football League with this. In the CPL, we I give them a pass because that league's only been around for three years. The refing will get better, I hope. But, like, call the rule book. Learn what the rules are. And please, like, I have this, this issue is a media issue in hockey. Have the refs have some responsibility to the media. The refs are allowed to hide away in CONCACAF and have absolutely no scrutiny from the media and the fans. That needs to change. And that's, that's, I'll I'll leave it at that because it could get so much worse. Darby, your thoughts? How do we fix CONCACAF? Oh, well, I mean, like, how much time do we have? 10 minutes? We'll, we'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> 10 minutes yeah you got 10 minutes go ahead give me give fix me your Kaka solution Kaka. to fix Kaka Kaka. that's it's oh uh, and and i do have a little bit of uh like i do appreciate in some ways that Concacaf is seen as the roughest um as as the roughest division or or not division well well oh it's a day federation afternoon coffee um but i i do in some ways appreciate that reputation. I do um, take pride in that to some degree. I'm not afraid of tough soccer play. Um, and, and I do think that there's something to be said about the culture of soccer uh, being regional. And um, and so, so, yeah, to a point, yes, but also definitely take your point about refereeing and, and being responsible to the media. Like, I, I have very strong thoughts on referees from all levels of the game. Like, I've, I've got a 15-year-old that plays, that has played since he was a teeny tiny. Um, and he has refed. Um, he has played. Like, I, I have real strong feelings about the ways that we treat referees. And, and I do believe that there is a... There, there's something to be said for everybody makes mistakes and everybody's trying to call the best game that they can call. Um, but I do think that there is a place for stepping up and saying, you know what? Boy, I fucked that up. And being able to say that to the media 
and being able to say, we, we could have walked that one back. We, we didn't. But but ultimately, with the number of uh, decisions that referees make throughout an entire match, an entire 90-minute soccer match, uh, that one call is usually not going to be the call. Um, but yeah, Conrad, what's up? I'm going to comment a little bit on the rough and tumble nature, because I think in the long run, it hurts us in when we go to the World Cup, when we go to these larger international competitions where the rule book is much more strictly enforced. Like we get used to the concacafiness, if to make a word out of this, of our officiating and of the way the game is expected to be played, then when we go to the World Cup, we see these massive amounts of cards. Like, if I remember correctly from the last World Cup, I believe Mexico was the most heavily carded team in the tournament, if, if my brain's working. Like, it benefits us within the Federation, but once we leave Federation, we're used to having... Concacaf rule book applied, but then it doesn't get applied. So I think we need to be on par with the rest of the world. This is just for us as Canadians, as Americans, as Mexicans, and as whatever fourth team makes it out because they're going to beat the Oceanic region. We all know that. But for our four representatives, we need to be playing on the same field and same rule book. That's true. Yeah. But I'll, oh, oh, Ultra, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Darby. Go, okay. go, go. Well, I mean, please. All, all I was going to say is that that I I get that to the point, to, to your point. But um, I also think that when you're a a, a FIFA level, uh, World Cup level referee, both both the teams that make it to the World Cup understand the game, and understand that they're going to a World Cup and and how to dial it back. Um, and that referees refereeing at that level of the game should be able to make some considerations for, for the, like, it's not just up to us to play like Europeans all of a sudden, um, but the Europeans to know who they're coming up against and the referees to know how to manage that game and how to man. I mean, that's, it's, it's almost a, a, a cultural management, uh, uh, IQ, that that even I think the referees should be held to. I would agree with all that. I think that that is all great points. And as much as I'd love to continue to dunk on CONCACAF, because believe me, I believe we could do an entire episode where we just dunk on CONCACAF. Um, I do want to move us into our next topic, which is going to be a fun one. So buckle up, kids. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. It's always fun. But um, Conrad brought it up, and I feel like, you know, we keep harping on this, but we're going to keep harping on it. And that is homophobia in the game of football. It is unfortunate that we have to bring it up, but Darby and I are pretty pissed that our trip to Mexico is likely going to be canceled due to it. Now, there's no guarantee that that trip's going to be canceled, and they may allow fans due to the magnitude of the game. But, no, no, she's reaching for the passport. Oh, no, she's got it. She's got it. She's going to show it off. I do. Like, I might as well rip it up. This is the only thing in the entire world that I ever would get a passport for, and I'm fucked out of it. No. 
No, no, it's not that bad. Because like I said, we're so we're going to make many international trips together, Darby. Don't worry. We'll be plenty of, of travel. I hear Qatar I'll walk is really you to the nice. Ice Tekka later. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's go to Qatar, Darby. Let's go to Qatar. Let's do it. Let's go go to Qatar. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we could get Brian on board with that. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but real quick, yeah. So homophobia in the game, not great. Don't love it. Um, rearing its ugly head once again. And look, it's not just Mexico. Hungary also exists, and they're not great at this when it comes to homophobia and you know even places like china and russia like it's it's been actively ongoing so once again darby to you first as darby takes a giant swig of bourbon no it's coffee. Um, i'm on coffee bourbon don't let her confuse you um are you drinking wine conrad out of the box i wish i could drink this much box wine arizona iced tea <laughs> doesn't come in cans in canada anymore all right, this is a conversation for off topic. We're all <laughs> off the, the stream. We're gonna duck on Canada for that. But Darby, how do we fix the homophobia problem? Like it seems like just giving giving a slap on the wrist and taking away fans isn't cutting it anymore. So what do you think the solution is? I mean, we've we've talked about it before and, and I'll hat tip back to the previous uh part of our conversation where we talked about Landon Donovan. I, I think that there comes a point where uh, players have to pick up and walk off the pitch. I think that um, when when a team member is being actively abused, that uh, the, t- the best, I mean, and honestly, the best thing that a team can do as a team is to stand up in support of their uh, their teammate and and abandon the pitch because ultimately no no trophy, no hardware, no win, no loss is more important than the dignity of a human person playing a, playing a game. Um, and and secondly, like we've talked so many times, I, I'm a fan of uh, punishing fan bases by uh, by letting opposing fans come and be in the be in the stadium with with no home fans. Gonna go to Conrad next. So we discussed this in depth on the last show that I was on where we almost feel that the Mexican supporters are using these homophobic slurs to get their team a break to allow for the team to get that five minutes break that is mandated by CONCACAF or is that FIFA? Anyways, by the federations. And it shouldn't take people like Quinn who's playing for our national soccer team here in Canada to step forward and be non-binary. And it shouldn't take uh, Colin Martin getting accosted by another player on the pitch for these changes to happen. It should be a societal change, but obviously that's a pipe dream that's beyond soccer. But I, I say this is the same thing as Darby. Teams need to walk off. Um, fines need to be harsher on federations so that they get their fans in line. Um, because as I talked about earlier, oh, you use that phrase two game ba- two game ban, no supporters. Oh, uh, what what do you mean you're going to have the women's team serve it? What do you mean you're just not going to serve it at all? Oh, there's going to be a full attendance at the Azteca when Canada comes in and still draws with you. Like these punishments are only punishments if they're enacted and 
actually fulfilled. And at least in CONCACAF, they aren't being fulfilled. Like, I can't speak for what's happening in Russia, because obviously that's a whole nother bag of worms that I'm not necessarily in. But then we look at Qatar. Qatar has put out press releases saying there will be sections for people like that in their stadiums. That was the phrasing used in a PR memo that was sent to the Voyagers. We're being sectioned off from the general population is is being in the LGBTQIA community as as uh, as spreadable as the current virus going on. Like, is that what we're afraid of in Qatar? Like, it's it's awful, and is being supported by the federations at this point in my mind. Yeah, I don't particularly love the people like that line. And, you know, I'll be completely frank. Like, I was supposed to go to Qatar. Um, my boyfriend has more or less forbade it. Um, he has not on board with me going. Even as press, he is not on board with me going. He wants no part of me going to Qatar. He wants no part of me stepping foot in Qatar um, because he's concerned for my safety. He's legitimately concerned. For the safety of me being an LGBTQIA plus individual um, going to Qatar. And, you know, that that fact that the people like them or people like that phrasing is just outright disgusting. I mean, it pisses me off. Um, and, you know, I, I won't go too deep into it. All I'll say is that this is the nation that's hosting the premier tournament in our sport. It is the cream of the crop. It is, it is top of the line. And the last two places that will have held it are going to be Russia and Qatar, <laughs> which speaks volumes about FIFA. Um, I mean, you know, FIFA claims to be all about people and supporting the game, but it apparently is supporting the game as long as you're straight. I mean, you know, this is the same, these are the same people that rewarded Hungary for being homophobic by letting them have a quarterfinal game in the Euros. Like, this is not, uh, this is, this is a systematic problem from the top. And I believe that it's not going to change until the leadership changes. Going to Conrad. So, like, I can talk a little bit about this from the hockey world because I don't know how much attention you play to international hockey, Ultra and Darby. I, I, I know hockey's not really your thing from <laughs> brief conversations. We had a international competition during this window or um, during this pandemic that was supposed to take place in Hungary. And it was actually moved out of the country. All of the games that were supposed to be held sure there was. because people weren't safe, didn't feel they were safe. And in fact, the, uh, I believe it was a, was, did it take place in Belgium? Anyways, wherever this tournament was taking place, they actually flew the old version of the Hungarian flag in protest to the current regime over some of their LGBTQIA comments. So when hockey is the progressive sport, you know that there's something wrong. Like yeah. hockey is known to be backwards and very, very white. When hockey is doing this before you, it might be time to reanalyze your process. So here's the thing. Men's hockey is known, yes, being very, 
very straightforward. But women's hockey has always been very, very progressive. And Correct. speaking of women's hockey, watch this quick pivot. Tonight, real quick, USA Canada. Big matchup, huge. Yeah, you did all that. I was gonna forget. Yeah, I, I know. Don't, don't. Well, after you think we I played forgot. the whole match against the ROC in masks because the ROC wouldn't provide testing. Watch out for that one in Qatar, people. Yeah. So, Conrad, real quick, who you got tonight? USA, Canada, women's game. Gonna probably be a preview of the gold medal match. If you don't say the USA, you're banned from ever appearing on this podcast again. The USA has a great team. I'm not going to deny that. They probably are the best women's team in the world right now. Yes, they are. We can stop however, right there. Oh, there's a however. However, I think the goaltending for Canada is way better than it's being given credit for. Sure. And I think that that's going to be the difference. The uh, The U.S., it, if the NHL had gone, this would have been the same conversation I would have had on the men's and women's side. The yeah. U.S. are the highest octane firepower. But I think the Canadians have a vastly superior defense. And as they say in many sports, defense wins championships. Yes. But does defense win gold medals? And the answer for me is absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think the USA is going to destroy Canada. I'm calling it now 62 to 1. 62 to 1 hockey score. Going to be a record breaking no no in all seriousness canada has a very strong team um look these uh, my boyfriend uh you know has some allegiance to canada we won't go into why but he does so we will be watching in separate rooms tonight um there are certain games every year that come across there are just certain certain uh, certain events you know usa canada in the World Cup qualifying, not nearly as important to the two of us as the USA men's and the USA women's versus Canada match are going to be in these Olympics. This is once every four years. This is literally like going to make or break my night for the next couple of days. Like when I tell you that I have basically told my boyfriend he's on his own for dinner tonight and that he's not allowed to talk to me until, until the game is over, like we are, we are drawing war paths. In fact, I'm actually watching not just in another room, but with my friends at a watch party in a separate house. So I will not see him until after the game because that is that. Look, I live for these moments, and I know we're a soccer podcast first, but this is a cultural moment for me. Um, all you have to do is ask the women on these teams how important this game is. This is a big one. Darby, your thoughts. I know you're super big in the hockey, so. Right. Yeah, I've I've got no clue. If I'm being <laughs> if I'm being completely upfront, I had no idea that there were women's hockey teams doing much of anything in the world ever. Um, yeah, got nothing on hockey. I I take that back. I I I think hockey is fun. I like it in. <laughs> I, I like it. I like the idea of it, and I went to one hockey game with an old um with an old crush that i wish i had gone to many 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 more hockey games with that person <laughs> that didn't work out so um but yeah like i'm i'm here for women in sports regardless 
I, I hope that both teams win. If I'm if I'm gonna lean into my wrong city, sitting here in the shawl thing, but no, that's wrong. Right, right. <laughs> that's the wrong answer. You hope the USA wins, Darby. That is the only acceptable answer. Come to the dark side. We have cookies. Ah, I, I can't yeah, but the border. I can't get over the border right now. I don't think. Not without a. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you, you've got you've got a passport and are you vaccinated? You can come in. Forget their cookies. You, they can have cookies. You have me. America has me, Darby, and I'm a national fucking treasure. You are okay. a fucking treasure. <laughs> All right. So, like, sure, they may have cookies, but I'll bake you cookies from scratch. Their cookies are store-bought. I'll make you those cookies with my blood, sweat, and tears. His oh cookies won't contain delicious maple syrup. Oh, you want to make a bet? I'll buy maple syrup and put that shit in. I'll have that shit imported. Thank you. We'll take your money. <laughs> yeah, that's why I call it even. But yeah, uh, so as we get ready to wrap it up here, Off closing trails. thoughts from you, Darby. Here, uh, final thoughts. Um, the the season's about to kick off as far as MLS and NWSL goes. Uh, look for content. Yes, I know. SwitchThePitchSoccer.com. Find us on Twitter at SwitchThePitch1. Same for Instagram. And if you want to send us an email, contact at switchthepitchsoccer.com. That's it. And real quick, we will be having an MLS preview show in the upcoming weeks. We are going to round up as many of the Switch the Pitch staff as we can and force slash ball and tell them that they are going to be on this episode. So they'll be super excited for that. And uh, we're also going to have, for the first time ever, I think, on the Switch the Bitch podcast, an NWSL preview show um, covering, just N- Thorns. covering just NWSL and nothing else, not as an afterthought to an MLS show, but strictly an entire episode dedicated to NWSL. In fact, uh, I'm happy to announce, and I think Darby will be on board with this, this season we're going to give you specific episodes that are just focused on NWSL and contributing with our new vision and mission statement, which you can find now on our website, I feel like it is very important for us to do a special podcast focusing on just the NWSL. So we'll have all that coming for you. And uh, this will be the last episode of season three, you guys. So like we're moving season four officially. Uh, Not that that means anything at all, but technically it does. Um, So um, yeah, Conrad, thank you for joining us. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you very much for letting me on. Even though you cheer for the wrong team, we appreciate you. And Darby, as always, you know that I love and adore you. So with that in mind, I will leave you with this. Uh...